My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing, and I'm praying that today's program will be a real blessing and an encouragement to you. We're going to be thinking today about receiving a fresh word from God. All of us need to hear God's voice. We need to know what God wants us to do. It may be, though, today that you're in desperate need of a clear word from God, and I pray that during this program, God would speak to your heart and that God would give you the word that you so desperately need. My grandfather on my dad's side of the family fought in World War II. And I can remember when I was a kid, my brother and I, I used to say to him, I would say, Big Pop, tell us one of those war stories about when you used to be a Marine. He said, Jonathan, only person ever called me Jonathan is my grandfather. He said, Jonathan, I didn't used to be a Marine. I'm still a Marine. You ever heard that? Once a Marine, what? Always a Marine. And he would tell us those stories about how he fought in the South Pacific and how he spent time on Iwo Jima. And even, you know, when he got older in life, he, began, he was more open about how many details he would tell about those stories. For a long time, he wouldn't talk much about it at all. But in his latter years, he would. And I remember him telling us a story one night about how when he was over there in the South Pacific, I, this actually happened, I believe, on Iwo Jima, that he was down in a foxhole one night sleeping. And one of the enemy soldiers crawled down in that foxhole and shot my granddad in the mouth. Unfortunately, my grandfather survived that injury, but years later, or at some point later, he received a Purple Heart for his service to our country. And somehow, after he went to be with the Lord in heaven, I ended up with his license plate. Now, at the top, it says, Georgia on my mind, and on the bottom, it says, Purple Heart. And it's one of the things that I treasure most in life. And while I'm saying that, today or this weekend is Veterans Day weekend. And I know that we have veterans who have served our country in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. Some may be still serving now. And so if you are active or if you have served our country in the past in any way, would you please stand today so that we can honor you on this very special weekend here in the United States. Thank you. You know, in the day in which we live where it seems like heroes are hard to find, those guys and gals that just stood up, they, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm a big sports fan, the heroes aren't on the ball fields or the basketball courts. The, fe the heroes are those who have served our country, and we want to thank you guys for, for what you have done. And, you know, as I think about my granddad and his service of our country and what so many of you have done, and then I get this license plate with his Purple Heart, it's just a remind. this is a reminder to me of the right kind of pride and gratitude that we should have for our families and the right kind of pride and gratitude that we should have for the country in which we live. And so for me, this is one of my most treasured possessions, one of the most meaningful things that I have ever received in all my life. Now, having said that, let me ask you this question. As a Christian, what would you consider to be one of the greatest things that God could give to you? 
Now, I know when we hear that, we first of all think, well, the greatest gift is salvation, and it is. The greatest gift is Jesus. The greatest gift is having our sins forgiven, having the Holy Spirit live in our heart. Hey, I'm with you 100%. That is the greatest gift. But I'm saying after we get saved, after we received Christ, after that happens, what would you consider to be one of? It may not be the great, but what would you consider to be one of the greatest gifts that you could ever receive from God? You remember in 1 Kings chapter 3 when God said to Solomon, Solomon, if you'll pray, if you'll ask me, I'm giving you a blank check. You can ask for whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. Solomon didn't ask for money or a long life. Solomon said, God, if you'll give me anything, I'll tell you what I need. I need wisdom. As the new king of Israel, I need to know how to rule and how to reign. And God gave him what he asked for and gave him a lot of stuff besides that. So one of the greatest things we could ever receive from God is wisdom. But one of the greatest things we could ever receive from God, and you may never have thought about this as a gift from God, but it really is. One of the greatest things you could ever receive from God is a fresh word from Him. A fresh word from God. That is one, when God speaks to your heart through the Bible or through His Spirit or in some other way, and God tells you something, something He wants you to know, something He wants you to do. Maybe you're at a crossroads and you're about to make a decision. You say, God, I don't know whether to do this or that. And God says, do this. He speaks to you. He gives you a word. And when you receive that word from God, you have received something very, very special. Now, here's what I know. In this room today, just like was true in the first service, all of us need a word from God. Every last one of us. Now, there's some here today who are in an especially difficult situation or, you know, things are happening in your life and you say, I just really need a word from God. And so the greatest thing that God could do for you today is to speak to you from His Word and by His Spirit and give you that Word. You know, as you think about all the reasons why we come to church, if we were making a list and I said, why'd you come to church this morning? Some people would say, well, it was the right thing to do. And it is. And that's one reason we come. We come to church so we can worship God. We come to church so we can give. We come to church so we can encourage other people. We come to church so other people can encourage us. There are a lot of reasons why people go to church. But when you were riding or driving to church this morning, I hope that somewhere in the, at least the back of your mind, hopefully in the front of your mind, but somewhere in your mind, I hope you were thinking, God, today... When I go to church, yes, I'm singing songs to you. Yes, I'm going to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I'm going because it's the right thing to do. But God, today at church, I am praying that you would speak to my heart, that you would give me a word, that you would tell me something I need to know, that you would show me something that I need to do so that when I leave church today, after, shortly after noon, I will be able to say the best thing that happened to me today at church was I heard God. God spoke to me through His Word. God spoke to me by His Spirit. And I leave church today knowing that I have heard the voice of God. So who wouldn't want to hear God? Who, who would not want to receive a fresh word from God? It's like a cold glass of water on a hot summer day. And that's what we need. So if you'll open your Bibles today to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. We're studying today, just like we did last Sunday morning, the life of King Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Judah. He was headquartered there in Jerusalem, and he was a good and godly king. He wasn't perfect, but the Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord. And for 25 years, he ruled the southern part of Israel, the, the southern kingdom there in Jerusalem. And on this particular occasion that we read about in our scripture reading today, 
there were these three different armies, one from Ammon, one from Moab, and one from Mount Seir. And these three armies had joined forces to attack Jerusalem. And because of the geography and the topography and the landscape of the land, they were coming up from the Dead Sea area. And so the Jewish people really couldn't see or hear about this attack until it was almost too late to prepare and to get the army ready. And so when Jehoshaphat found out about it, what he did was he called a national fast. And he said to his nation, we need to pray. There is a great multitude that is coming up from the Dead Sea area. Soon they'll be in Jerusalem. There are more of them than there are of us. We have zero chance in this battle unless God fights on our behalf, unless there is divine intervention. And so they prayed and they fasted and they sought God. In fact, if you look in verse number 12 of Second Chronicles chapter 20, and this is where we dropped off last week, at the end of Jehoshaphat's prayer... He said, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You see, the reason Jehoshaphat needed a word from God is the same reason many of us today need a word from God, and that is simply this. His circumstances were crashing in around him. And he had no idea what he should do. And we feel that way sometimes in life. Things are happening in our lives and we feel like, God, what has happened? This is a surprise attack. I didn't see this coming. And God, it's like these circumstances are crashing in on me and I don't know what to do. And God, I need a word from you. And so we learn in this passage of Scripture how Jehoshaphat, how the Jewish people received that word, and how it changed everything about their situation. So what I want to do in this message today is to give you two things, two steps that you can take to receive a fresh word from God. Number one, and this is so very important. If you want to hear from God, the first thing that you need to do, if I want to hear from God, the first thing I have to do is to get still. Get still. Now, look in verse 13, because this is exactly what the Jewish people did. After they had prayed, it says, Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, now watch this next phrase, stood before the Lord. Say those four words with me. Stood before the Lord. And so when a person stands, he's still. That's why we call it standing still. And so they had prayed and they had said, God, help us. And after they ended their prayer, what did they do? They stood still and they waited for God to answer and they waited for God to speak. And I'm saying this is absolutely imperative to hearing from God. We have to get still. But the fact is, most of us don't like to be still. We have a hard time being still. Most of us have too much nervous energy to be still. Our attention spans are too short to be still. We like to be active. We like to be on the go. And when we have a problem, we like to get out there and try our best to solve that problem. But the fact is, there are some problems in life we can't solve. And so we have to just get still before the Lord. And the second thing we have to do, not only do we have to get still, we have to get quiet before the Lord. Now, that's what they did. They're standing at attention. They're standing still before the Lord. But look in verse 14. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now, Jehaziel, we read at the end of the verse, was a Levite. So he's a godly man. He was 
kind, kind of like one of the priests of the day. And in verse 15, he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. So this man, this priest, this spirit-filled man, he said to Jehoshaphat and everybody in that kingdom, listen, I'm about to tell you what God wants you to hear. And so when he said, listen, what were they? They were quiet. And so in order for us to hear from God, we have to get still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And we have to be quiet. And in the day in which we live, it's difficult to get still and it's almost impossible to get quiet. Because there's so much noise. Television, radio, phones. I'm telling you, these phones, I mean, I thank God for iPhones most days. But some day, it's like you can't get away from, I mean, it's just like, it's all, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's activity, it's noise. And sometimes we have to get away, and we have to get still, and we have to get quiet, and we have to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so that's what they did on this occasion. They got still, and they got quiet, and God spoke. Now, next thing I want us to think about, so that now, when they got still, And when they got quiet, they were in a position to hear from God. So here's the question. How did God speak? And that's the question we ask of ourselves today. We ask God, God, how are you going to speak to me? I need a word from you. I need you to tell me what to do in this situation. How does God speak today? And there are a lot of ways God speaks. The primary way that God speaks to us today is through His Word, the Bible. This is the prime, and this is why every day that we should be reading the Bible, even if it's just a few verses or a chapter, read something, and God will speak to you through His Word. Sometimes God speaks to us through His Spirit, His Spirit who lives on the inside of us. God speaks to us, and you've had circumstances in your life, and I certainly have in mine as well, where maybe I was praying, maybe I wasn't even praying, maybe I was at a ball game, maybe I was watching TV, maybe I was driving down the road. And God's Spirit has spoken to my heart, and I knew it was God. You've had that experience, and you say, God, you gave me a word. God, you just told me what to do. You just told me something that I needed to know. And so sometimes God speaks to us through His Spirit. But friend, don't ever underestimate this. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people, especially Spirit-filled Christians. I mean, (laughs) people who love God, people who walk with God, people who are trying to be in step with God and, you know, to do everything they can. Those are the people. And that, 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 was one, that was the type of person that God rose up to speak to Jehoshaphat. Now look again in verse 14. I want you to see this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and God spoke through this man. Now it's interesting. Jehoshaphat had been praying to God. Why didn't, when he got finished praying, why didn't God just speak directly to Jehoshaphat? He could have done that. Jehoshaphat was a believer. God could have said, Jehoshaphat, here's what you need to know, and here's what you need to do. God could have done it, but in this case, he did not do that. He spoke to Jehoshaphat through Jehaziel. Why? Because one of the ways God speaks to us is through Spirit-filled Christians. Now, here's the next question. How, what's God going to say? Now, whether it's from the Bible, a spirit-filled person, his spirit to my spirit, what is God going to say to me? And for those of you today needing a fresh word from God, what you're wondering is, okay, what is the word? 
What is God saying to me right now? Well, I can't answer that for sure, but I'll show you three things that he said to Jehoshaphat on this occasion, and I can guarantee you he's saying the same thing to us today. Now, I don't know how it fits your situation. I don't know who your Ammonites and Moabites might be, but I know this. God is saying the same thing to us that he said back then. And in the middle part of verse 15, we see the first thing that God said to Jehoshaphat. Here it is. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. So the first thing God is saying to us today is what he said to Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be afraid. That's what God said, don't be afraid. Now, when you're reading your Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, and you read those words, don't be afraid, fear not. Notice in this passage, God did not say, to Jehoshaphat, don't feel afraid. No, he didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid. When something happens, if a tiger, God forbid, got turned loose in this worship center right now, I would feel afraid. I would pray for you and be out the side door and say, God, help him. I would feel fear. But now let me, let's use that illustration. If a tiger came in here and I felt fear, you know what that's called? Normal, healthy. You know what it would be for me to run out the door and leave the congregation sitting here? Cowardly and wrong, right? That would be fear because then I would be allowing my feelings to cause me to run away. In the Greek, in the New Testament, when that word fear is used, it's the word that we get our word phobia from, phobos, P-H-O-B-O-S, and it literally means flight, to run away. And so in the Bible, when it says don't be afraid, it's not saying don't feel fear. Sometimes you may have a feeling of panic or anxiety or apprehension or nervousness or, oh my goodness, what's happening? That's just normal. That's, you can't stop that. But what the Scripture is saying is when you feel that way, don't let it cause you to run out the back door. You've got to stay in there. I remember when I first started preaching. I remember the first time I preached at First Baptist Church, Pasadena. I didn't tell this at the first service, but we were at the old location I was about 19 or 20 years old, and I came in the worship center to preach. Didn't hardly know anybody in the church, and I'm sitting there on the front row during the singing time, and I looked around at the room and all these people that I didn't even know, and the thought ran through my mind, you can't get out the doors until you stand up there for 30 minutes and talk to those people. And it just made me so nervous and so apprehensive, but... God helped me to get up there and, and, and do it. I don't know how good it was, but I made it through the 30 minutes. So that what I'm saying is when it says do not fear, that means don't let fear cause you to act. Don't act on that fear. Yeah, you're going to feel it, but stand strong. Now, what I love about God, when He tells us don't be afraid, He always tells us why we shouldn't be afraid. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody and maybe they're afraid, at least I hate this in my life. If I'm worried or stressed out or apprehensive about something and somebody says to me, don't be afraid, that never does help me. It's kind of like if somebody's cold and you say, don't be cold. 
Or if they're hungry and you say, stop being hungry. Well, no, if they're cold, they need a blanket. If they're hungry, they need food. And if they're afraid, they need to know, well, how can I not be afraid? So God said, don't be afraid. But then the second thing God said is, here's why you don't have to be afraid. The battle is not yours. It's mine, God said. Look at this verse. This is a tremendous thing. At the end of verse 15, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let me simplify that and make it real clean. The battle is the Lord's. Say that with me. The battle is the Lord's. Say it again. Whatever battle you're facing today, it is the Lord's battle. And that's why you don't have to be afraid. Because the thing that has made you afraid is actually God's responsibility. It is in His hands. And if you will trust Him, He will fight the battle. He will win the battle. Don't be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. And then the third thing that God said to Jehoshaphat, and I think it is so very applicable to us, God basically said this to Jehoshaphat and to all the Jewish people in Jerusalem. He said, all you have to do is to show up. All you have to do is show up. Now, when you begin reading verse 16, it's very interesting because at the end of 15, God said, the battle is not yours, it's my battle. But look what he said in verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. Now, if I'd have been listening to that, I thought, now, God, why did you tell me to go against them if the battle is yours? Why wouldn't have you just told me to go home and you fight them? But the battle is yours, and now you're sending me to the battlefield. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Some of you today need to hear those words from God. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now you read that, and you're almost, you almost think, well, God, which one is it? On the one hand, the battle is yours. I will not need to fight. I'm going to watch the salvation of the Lord. On the other hand, go to the battlefield, position yourselves. But God, why am I going to the battlefield if you're going to do the fighting? Why don't I get to go home? This is what God is saying to Jehoshaphat, and this is what God is saying to us today. When your circumstances are closing in, you don't know what to do. You feel hopeless. You feel afraid. Here's what God says. I don't expect you to fight the battle, but I expect you to show up for the battle. I, I expect you to stand in there like a man or a woman of God, and if you will just show up, I will fight the battle. Remember when David went up to fight Goliath? What did David say as he was approaching Goliath? He said, the battle is the Lord's. 1 Samuel 17, 47. The battle is the Lord's. But David didn't run hide in his tent. He went towards Goliath. The battle was the Lord's. And yet David had the responsibility of showing up. Now, in that case, he had the responsibility of throwing that rock, that stone. In this case, Jehoshaphat, and we'll see this next week, he, he, they didn't even have to lift a finger. But what they did have to do was to show up for the battle. So, I believe in our lives, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just show up. But when we are facing a seemingly impossible situation. And we say, God, just like Josh Fett, I don't know what to do. I can't change this situation. But God, 
I'm going to show up for the battle. I'm telling you what, God will honor that. I know that some of you today are facing a real battle, and I think if we took that whole sermon and kind of condensed it down to the heart of the matter, what God is saying to you today, and what God is saying to all of us today is simply this. In the midst of your battle, if you will trust God, and if you'll just keep moving forward, don't give up, don't go backwards, just keep moving forward, just keep showing up. Every day you keep showing up for your job, you keep showing up for your family, you keep showing up with God, you just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. And there's something about showing up for the battle that God always honors because that demonstrates our faith in Him. And so my word for you today, and I believe it's God's word for all of us today, is don't give up. Just keep moving forward. There's going to be a breakthrough. God will see you through and God will give you the victory. I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. I hope the program has been a blessing to you. I hope you have a great week and I hope that you will be with us next time. God bless.